Hi, this is Lily, and I'm a member of the Beacon Church. Welcome to our podcast. My family and I have been attending Beacon for a few years, and we love how the pastors reason through the scriptures every Sunday. We love the fellowship, the kids' classes, the singing, and oh, the cafe is great. So if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to meet you. For the summer, we'll only have two services, one at 9.30 and one at 11.30 a.m. We're located at 65 East Williston Avenue in East Williston, New York. For more information, visit us at visitbeacon.com. See you soon. We're going to pray here in just a moment and uh, kind of get our hearts ready for uh, the message which Trevor's going to be bringing. But before we do that, I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit to you guys about uh, some of the things that have been going on uh, in our country. So most of you know and you realize, of course, uh, probably to, uh, uh, to great neglect uh, in uh, the opinion of many, we rarely talk politics at Beacon. Uh, we just try to stay away from that whole area. We know there are Christians on every side of uh, certain uh, big topics, and so we generally say, you know what, let's work on our spiritual formation and allow the Holy Spirit to do its work in each of our hearts. Uh, and that's generally been our kind of our, our main strategy toward a lot of these things. And so we don't address a lot of the things happening in the world or in politics or in the country uh, except every once in a while we do at least try to make some sort of a comment. Now in our messages, even if we don't uh, mention things specifically, we try to develop Christian ideas and ideals. And so we'll try to develop them in such a way as to help encourage you to form biblically-based Christian values. Uh, we come to a situation now in our country where we are seriously uh, fighting against racism and against uh, a type of uh, hatred that uh, it is uh, one of these things that for us not to at least mention these things would be to lead some to the opinion uh, that we don't have a comment or an opinion or that the Bible might support a position that it does not. And so I just want to clarify for you guys and encourage you guys as followers of Christ or as people who are trying to grow in Christian virtue to recognize that as disciples, we love people. And in order for us as uh, Christians to actually uh, exist in a way that Christ called us to, we have got to come to grips with the internal biases that so many have. We're seeing what's going on in the world, in our nation, and we're watching as people in the name of Christ are hating other people because of the color of their skin or because of the religion that they were born into. And this is absolutely not a Christian ideal because it's being done in the name of Christianity. There are a lot of folks that will point to the Christian community and say, you are continuing to support uh, bias and racism and bigotry. But the truth of the matter is the gospel is very clear. God does not uh, play favorites among his children, among his creation. He loves uh, each and every one of us, no matter the color of our skin. People of every faith are pursued by Jesus 
in the same way we are pursued by Jesus, looking to find faith and hope in Christ alone. And we are told that mercy triumphs over judgment. And so as followers of Christ, I think it's important for us to know this, that uh, we do not stand behind hatred and we do not stand in any, we do not support and we stand against racism in all of its uh, evil manifestations. So, you know, we don't uh, do a lot of this kind of a thing, but uh, it, it just feels like uh, every so often we have to sort of remind us because of our own tendencies, our own biases, or the way that we were raised, or because we haven't yet been transformed into the image of Christ. Jesus loves the stranger. He loves the foreigner. He has an open posture toward all people, welcoming them in. And as his followers, we ought to as well. So I'm going to pray uh, for you guys. I'm going to pray for us as a community of faith. I'm going to pray for the message that uh, our hearts would be transformed. I'm also just going to pray uh, for us as a country. Let's just take a couple moments. Lord, we're just uh, thanking you that you have given to us uh, this uh, great nation, that we get to worship uh, with freedom. We get to speak about your word. We get to hand out Bibles without persecution. We get to gather for study. We get to learn uh, who you are. There are so many amazing things, Father, that uh, you have gifted us with. We have resources beyond compare, um, and you have given us the, uh, the privilege of being used by you to do great things in this world. And so we take that as an amazing privilege. We also recognize, Father, that we as a nation continue to struggle uh, under this burden of hate. And Father, often uh, hatred is done in your name. And we, Lord, are asking that you would continue to bring healing and clarity to our nation. I pray, Lord, through the power of your spirit that you would convict your followers, that we, Lord, would stand and we would speak and we would live and we would work toward the healing of our nation. That we would internally first, Lord, take what your scripture says to us. That we would not live in fear. That we would not live with hatred. We would not live with bigotry. But Lord, that we would see your desperate love for all people. And we, Lord, would be the hands and the feet of Jesus that we would show the compassion that Jesus shows. That, Lord, the people in this country and in our world would actually see your love in us. Father, that's what we want. We want to be those kinds of people more and more. We're praying, Lord, for the many who are hurting and the many who are suffering, the tragedies that are unfolding in the South, Lord, that, um, that just break our hearts. We're asking, Father, that you would just... Uh, let your presence be felt. Allow your people to stand. Father, let them be who you want us to be, a redemptive community, bringing your light and your hope and your grace. We pray that even in the midst of the pain and the hurt, that in some way your name would be glorified, Lord. We pray it all. Um, asking uh, that in each of these things, you would work in our hearts first and foremost. 
We also pray that here this morning, you would allow us, our hearts, to be sensitive and tender toward your word, that as Trevor comes and teaches us, Lord, that we uh, would hear and we would experience uh, what it is that you would have for us. May we be challenged to grow in the fullness of our faith so that we might reach full maturity, Lord. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. We also just want to remind you guys that uh, if the connection card already passed, you can always use the brand new e-connect card. And so you text connect, the instructions are there on your bulletin. Hey guys, if we haven't met before, my name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors here at Beacon. So glad you guys are here today. That is a a very serious note to start the message off on. Uh, So we can uh, just take a second to to breathe. Uh, But thank you, Robert, for making that that comment. Super important. Uh, If you're you're just joining with us, we've been in a, a different kind of series this summer where we've been looking at who we are as a church and who we want to be as a church. And in the first half of the series, we were kind of going through core values, the underlying beliefs that make up who we are and the decisions we make. Uh, And the second half has been a little more kind of practical strategy, things that we're doing to engage the community, things that we're committing ourselves to. And so uh, there's all these kind of different segments. We want to, we feel like we have a responsibility to the, the broader community, to the crowd that's connecting, to you, the congregation and you know last week Robert was talking how you the congregation who you guys are actively loving God and worship each and every week we want to call you into deeper levels of relationship uh, with each other so you can love each other in in group life and become the the connected and today we're going to be kind of taking the next step in that that spiritual journey and so glad that you guys are, are here uh now, for, for me, I've only caught like half of this series personally. Uh, I've been trying to catch up online because summer's been a little crazy. It's, uh, for my wife and I, this has been the summer of weddings. Uh, some of you were people maybe that got married. Some of you are getting married. Uh, we, had, we had four l- weddings lined up in a uh, five-week period, like August going into uh, uh, September. Four, uh, four weddings in five weeks. This was our weekend where we had no weddings. And believe it or not, On Tuesday morning, I got a text from a friend saying, I know it's last minute, but we would love to have you and Lindsay at our wedding. So guess where I was last night? Another wedding. And it was awesome because I I absolutely love weddings. Uh, I love going to weddings with my wife, especially because we like to tear it up on the dance floor. Uh, We're not not like good dancers, but we we commit, man. We we just get in there and we go with everything that we have and it's awesome. Uh, And you get to like see old friends and make new friends. Uh, But I I really do enjoy going to weddings because it it also kind of gives me an opportunity to reflect on my own marriage. Uh, It's always fun, you know, causing me to think about what my wedding was like and uh, also reflecting on what has happened since my wife and I got married. We're coming up on uh, four years of marriage in October, uh, which is crazy that it just kind of flew by. Uh, but yeah, no, it's awesome and it's, it's really exciting. And uh, I, I love my wife. I love the life that I have with my wife. And if I ever think about what it would have been like if that didn't happen, like if we didn't meet or we didn't, you know, fall in love and get married, I, I just think about what I would be missing out on. And it's like, it, it kind of makes me a little sad inside. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm so, there's so many things that could have went wrong too. Like she, she had to like come all the way from Phoenix to New York just so I could meet her. Uh, like that, that all could have gone wrong. And I'm, I'm so glad that it didn't. But I also think like I could have, I could have made the wrong decision here. Like I could have, you know, settled for something less. Like 
Imagine for a second, do this with me. Imagine meeting the man or the woman of your dreams. Do you have that person in mind? If you're married, that better be your spouse, all right? <laughs> uh, and if you're, if you're not married, it better not be somebody else's spouse. Uh, so bring that, bring that person to mind real, real quick. You meet the, the man or woman of your dreams, and somebody from like five years into the future comes to you, and they say, hey, if you commit to this person and you work and put effort into this relationship, five years from now, the relationship that you're going to have is just going to rock your world. All right? Imagine that they come, they tell you this, they, they kind of guarantee what's going to happen, and, and you say, ah, you know what, I'm kind of content with the relationship we have. I, I think I'm just going to stay friends. Imagine what you would be missing out on. Those of you who uh, are in happy marriages, you know, you, you know, like, if you gave up what you have, and, and even if you, you don't have that, you, you, you can bring to mind, you can imagine what it would be like to miss out on the amazing relationship because you said, ah, I just, I'm just going to be friends. And I, I think for many Christians, we actually take this approach with God. We don't, we don't say, you know, oh, I, I don't want a relationship with God. We just say, I'm content with the relationship we have. I just kind of want to keep God in the, the friend zone. Uh, in, in fact, uh, Barna, it's a research group, they uh, found this, that most Christians express satisfaction with their spiritual lives. They say 38% of Christian adults say they are happy where they are in their spiritual life. And another 36% are almost to where they want to be. So that's, that's almost three out of four people, right? It's so like 75%, 74% of people are either satisfied in their relationship with God or, or nearly satisfied, content with kind of where the relationship is at currently. Now, contrast this with what uh, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians. You guys know the Apostle Paul, St. Paul? He's like, you know, arguably the, the like best missionary church planter of all time. He's like largely responsible for the church spreading throughout the Roman Empire in the first century. And he wrote like several books of the Bible. Uh, he was a rock star of the faith. And after he did a lot of this stuff, so it's like later in life, after he's already in prison for faith, he says this. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on to, uh, toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So after all of this, after he's done all of this, he's still saying, God, guys, it's, it's not enough. I am not satisfied with where I am at in my relationship with God. I just want to go deeper and deeper. And he finishes by saying, uh, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. So you realize what he's saying. He's saying the more mature you come in faith and the more you grow in Christ, the less satisfied you are with where you're at with Christ. That it's not a sign of maturity to say, oh, I've arrived. I'm like in this good place. The sign of maturity is to say, I just I want to take this relationship deeper. I want to go farther. Because you're experiencing a depth of relationship with him that it, it changes you. It changes your world. And it's just like, yes, this is, this is what I was made for. So this is, this is the Apostle Paul. And yet, according to Barna, three out of four Christians in America are saying, ah, I'm satisfied with the relationship that I have. 
I don't really want to take it to the next level. And I just, I really hope that's not you. I really hope that, that for you, you have this desire to, to take the relationship to the next level, to not keep God in the friend zone, knowing that, that you are missing out on a relationship that will, will change your life. And if you are interested in, in growing in Christ, taking the relationship to the next level, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Because even if we, we have the desire to grow in Christ, there's a, a lot of barriers that we can run into, these, these growth barriers that can keep us from continuing in the, these growth barriers that can actually stunt our growth. And here in, in Second Peter, the Apostle Peter has some, some really great insights that I, I think are helpful to push us past uh, a few of these common growth barriers. And th- there's four growth barriers that I, w- I want to look at today. And, and the first one is this. The first gr- growth barrier is setting the bar too low. Look at what he says in 2 Peter 1, beginning in verse 3. He says, His divine power, that's God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. See what he says? He says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. So even uh, you know, among Christians, there's this understanding I'm, I'm just human, right? Like, I'm flawed, I'm broken, I'm imperfect, I can't live up to God's standards. This is a really important truth. Like, nobody's going to come to Jesus and cling to him as a savior if they don't understand our own human brokenness. So that's good, that's true. But it's not the whole truth. Because the scriptures also teach that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. That if you are in Christ, the spirit of God lives in you. You've probably heard that before, but think about it for just a second. The Holy Spirit of God is living in you. <laughs> like, the, the, the same God, all right, whose spirit raised Jesus from the dead, all right, that spirit is in you if you're a follower of Christ. And so Peter can say with full confidence, you have everything you need to live a godly life. Like, not you can't muster it up in your own strength. It's, you weren't born with this. But if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. This is, like, you read through, the, like, stories, these amazing Bible stories, and, like, you know, P- even Peter, who's writing this. Peter, you know, at Pentecost, he's preaching, and thousands are coming to him, and, you know, they're doing these miracles and everything. You know who was doing that? Because it wasn't Peter, right? It was the Holy Spirit working through Peter. And that same Holy Spirit is in you. <laughs> all, all, anyone who is in Christ has the Holy Spirit. Not just like you have a little bit of the Spirit and he has like a lot of the same Spirit, full Spirit. You have that Spirit. You, you don't set the bar too low for what God can do in and through you. And I think we could do this because we think, we think of our humanity and we see how broken we are. But man, you have the full spirit of God. Set that bar way up here. You, know, you guys uh, may remember that like children's song. Uh, if you, you kind of grew up in the faith, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Uh, and it, it finishes, right? It says, uh, little ones to him belong. We are, but he is. 
And that is the posture, right? We are weak, but, but don't forget this. He is strong and he is in you. Uh, and if we set the bar way down here, then yeah, we'll, we'll kind of hover down here. But if we realize we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we set the bar up here, pursue this, because you have everything you need for a godly life through his power living in you. Uh, the second growth barrier that we can run into is that uh, growth is, is hard. <laughs> it's, it's difficult, right? Listen to what he says in verse 5. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. He says, make every effort. He doesn't say, hey guys, you, you have his divine power has given everything you need for a godly life. So just sit back and wait for the spirit to do this. He actually says in response to this, make every effort. Take that faith that you started with and keep adding to it so that it produces this love. Make every effort. And I, I think sometimes we can think that growth should just happen naturally, that like as long as we show up. Uh, so confession time. Uh, this is a safe place for me to confess, right? Uh, years back, I, was, uh, I had a membership at Planet Fitness uh, where it's like 10 bucks a month. And I started off, I was going pretty consistently for a couple months, and then I wasn't, and then I wasn't going at all. Uh, and it took me probably like a year and a half before I finally was able to admit to myself, like, I'm not making it back to the gym and finally canceled the membership. Uh, so then a couple years go by, and I realize I'm just getting soft and weak. And uh, so I'm like, all right, I've got to get back to the gym. So I, I joined uh, Retro Fitness. Uh, and I thought, well, this one, this one costs $20 a month, so there's no way I'm going to pay for a membership and not go to the gym. And I, it's true. I went to the gym faithfully for like two months, and that was like a year ago. <laughs> and I can count on two hands the number of times I've been to the gym in the last year uh, because I'm, I'm a fool. But <laughs> I wish so badly that I could like pay for a membership and just like go to the gym for like an hour a week and watch other people work out and like leave feeling physically fit. But you guys know, like it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And, and yet very often, this is how we, we think about growing in Christ, that maybe if we you know, ha have this membership and we show up and just kind of watch people you know, do these exercises for an hour a week, we'll walk away spiritually fit. But it actually takes effort, right? If you want to get physically fit, you have to engage in the activities, right? You have to engage intentionally consistently in these exercises. And it's not different in, in spiritual growth. Like if you want to grow in Christ, it takes effort and it's gonna require you engaging in certain exercises consistently and intentionally. And that intentionality, I don't wanna skim past that. We have to be thinking, saying I'm, I'm going to do this for the purpose of growing in Christ. The next uh, growth barrier that we can run into is uh, weak motivations. So in verse 8, he says, For if you possess these qualities, so all the ones that he just mentioned about, uh, you know, faith and goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance, godliness, mutual affection and love, he says, If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they, that is these qualities, will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. These qualities, as you grow, they will help you be effective and productive in your relationship with Jesus. 
See, I, I think a lot of times we forget that our, our spiritual growth isn't just about us. That actually God is, is raising you up. His spirit is inside of you, building you up so you can grow in Christ. Not just for your own benefit, but for the benefit of people around you. Like, think of it this way. And, and just ask yourself this question. If you were the last Christian, if you were the last Christian, because everybody else either walked away from faith or they were martyred or whatever, you're the last Christian on the face of the planet, could Christianity survive? Could you, are you equipped to be able to share the gospel, to train someone up into Christ, to help, you know, start a, a movement? I mean, you have everything you need. You have the Holy Spirit, but do you have the, the tools and resources? Because each and every follower of Jesus is called to go and make disciples. You realize this? In, in the same way that like when a baby is born, uh, a baby has, the, a healthy baby has the DNA that one day they'll grow up and be able to reproduce, right? Any healthy baby, they have the DNA. They can't do it yet, but it, as they grow up, they have that DNA to reproduce. And it's the same for, for spiritual children. When you come to faith, you, you have the Holy Spirit. That is that spiritual DNA that as you grow in Christ, you will one day be able to reproduce. Every healthy follower of, of Christ is on this trajectory to be a reproducing follower of Jesus Christ. And this motivation is super important for us as individuals to keep doing this work of growing in Christ. Like, how many here uh, are, we have some Kids Quest uh, teachers? In, yeah. So what was it like when you first started teaching children? How did that impact your spiritual journey. Did that have an impact? Yeah? <laughs> did, like, how much more did you find yourself, like, studying God's word and trying to grow personally because you knew that it wasn't just about you, that there were others who were relying on you? Or, or like, some growth group leaders. We have some growth group discussion leaders in here. Like, how much did you grow when you started to realize, I need to be effective and productive because there are other people that are counting on my spiritual growth. Like your kids, if you're a parent, your kids are, are counting on you to lead them. Are you equipped to do that? If you're, you're just a human being who has a job and you have coworkers, your coworkers are counting on you to be the example of Jesus Christ. Are you equipped to do that? And as we start to realize, wait, there are people counting on us. This, this becomes a motivator for us to keep pursuing, keep pushing on, to go past what is just convenient or good for me because it's not just about me. It's about others. The, uh, the fourth growth barrier is forgetting the God of the gospel. Uh, arguably, this is, is really the most important one. But he says in verse 9, but whoever does not have them, does not have these qualities, is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. They, they forget. Forget not just, not just that they have been cleansed of their past sins, but they forget the one who has cleansed them from their past sins. Uh, there's this, this idea that the, the gospel, the message of Christ and forgiveness and salvation, it's a free gift, Right? But it's, it's not a cheap gift. It was actually a very costly gift that God, the creator of the universe, sacrificed his son in order to purchase salvation for you and for me. And, and that's remarkable. But I, I, I admit, there are days I wake up and God is not remarkable to me. There are days I wake up and God is just, you know, he's God. And, you know, I, 
should pray and I should read my Bible or something, or maybe I should like go to church because I work here. Uh, <laughs> but, but there, I, I'll admit, like there are days God is not remarkable to me, and I forget who He is. I start to recolor God as you know, just the you know that kind of staunch dad figure who's going to be angry at me. Like my mind goes there some days, and God is not remarkable. I forget, and I don't, I don't have this like urge to grow closer to that God. But when I take the time and I remember who he is by what he's done, when I look at the fact that I've been cleansed from my past sins because this, this God loved me so much that he would, he would watch his own son die for me, that when I remember that, then I want to know that God, right? <laughs> It's not, this isn't like a distant God that I'm like, oh, this, I have to get to know him. No, I, I love him. I want to know him. And when we forget that we've been cleansed of our past sins, it, we, we lose that momentum to say, man, I just I want to know you. I want to have that kind of relationship because he's, he's amazing. And, and my hope for, for each of you is that, that you are on this trajectory to grow in Christ, to, to know him more and more because he is remarkable, because he is amazing. And the relationship that you can have five years from now, 10 years from now, is absolutely incredible. And so we've been uh, kind of walking you through our strategies here as a church. And we, we talked about uh, you know, the broader community uh, in these different circles and, and the crowd and how we're inviting them to love God here in worship on Sunday mornings, and, and you as the congregation, we're, we're inviting you to continue to love God here in worship, but also to love each other in group life, and, and as you do, you become connected, but, but we also want to invite you as you're, you're connecting with one another to take that next step, to, to step into this, this role of committed as you grow in Christ through discipleship. That's the, the invitation we want to offer you to grow in Christ through discipleship to become a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, and I just want to walk you through a little bit practically uh, our strategies. And it's, you know, this is taking off the pastor hat. It's just a little more of the uh, letting you guys know what we're doing. But Second Peter, at the end of this letter that Peter was writing, this is his exhortation to his audience. He says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growing grace and knowledge. And, uh, and this is our, our strategy for you. We want to help you grow in Christ through discipleship. We want to first help you grow in knowledge. Uh, this is something that's really important. And, and I think in uh, contemporary churches, sometimes overlooked. This used to be really important back in the day. There were like Sunday school classes and like all of these things. But now for adults, a lot of times the Sunday, like single Sunday ser- sermon is like all the teaching that followers of Jesus get. Like, when I, was, when I was growing up in, like, my Baptist church, we had Sunday morning church, we had Sunday evening church, we had Wednesday night church, and we had Sunday school. Like, so we, were, we had hours of, like, content coming into us. Uh, and, and I understand why people moved away from this, because we all know that knowledge kind of puffs up, right? That you can, you know, gain all this knowledge. It doesn't mean transformation, that you can just become arrogant and all of that. And so I, I understand why we want to be hesitant about it. But at the same time, the knowledge is really important. Like uh, in, in uh, Romans 1, Paul t- kind of walks us through what happened at the fall when sin entered the world. And one of the things he talks about is that we exchanged the truth about God for a lie. 
So uh, like our default status, we, ha- we have these misconceptions about God. And so if we want to grow in Jesus Christ, we have to grow in our knowledge of him in the truth. And Peter actually spends like half of this letter that we're looking at, the like, next half of the letter, he spends talking about warning against false teachers. There's a lot of misinformation out there, never more than there is today, right? You guys can watch it on YouTube, you could read blogs, you could find all sorts of books just at your fingertips where there's a lot of false information. And so we, we really believe that there's a, a base of information that every follower of Jesus should know. And we are committed to trying to teach you, give you the opportunity to learn this base of information. And so uh, we're going to be doing this through discipleship classes. Anybody here participate in core training? All right, this is core training. It's gone for now. Uh, We are retooling. Core training was like, you know, classes we offered in the winter. It would be like every week for nine weeks. We're going to try something different. And we're going to do these discipleship classes, and they are going to be, uh, it's going to meet monthly. Uh, Every month, or sorry, like nine or ten months out of the year, on the third Tuesday of the month, we're going to come together for these classes. And our, our goal is to actually set up a, a program, uh, like a block of classes, that goes for about three years. That if you start at day one and you kind of attend every month, in three years you'll have gotten through the base of information that we think every follower of Jesus should know. And we, we want to help you do that. Now, of course... We know people will miss. It probably will take more like four or five years for, you know, the average person to get through all of this content. But if you were, you know, able to work it out, it's a a three-year block of content that we want to be able to teach you. It would be great if we could teach this in, like, more relational settings. But we understand that there are certain people that are gifted as teachers, and, and information can be disseminated in a classroom setting. So we're for that. But Peter doesn't just say grow in knowledge. He says grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in my experience, where we grow in grace is in a a more relational setting. Uh, This is actually the model Jesus used, right? Jesus did teach from a distance, but he spent most of his time in relationship with a small group of people where he was able to give them content, but also engage in uh, life with them. And so we we have this strategy that we're, we're working on developing where you will be able to engage in relationship with people. So say you, you go through Alpha. Anybody, who's, who's done Alpha here? All right, so like, it's more than half of you, but the rest of you, Alpha is available soon. But you go through Alpha. Say during the Alpha course, you come to a place where you commit your life to Jesus. And you say, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus now. Well, as you come out of that, we want to be able to pair you with somebody in a, a relational environment. We're calling these follow-up groups. And it would be a shorter-term group, maybe three to, to six months, where you have somebody who's kind of like a, a big brother to walk alongside of you or, or a sponsor, if you, you kind of think in, like, recovery terms. Somebody who will be there to hold you accountable, but to also kind of so that they could speak into your life and see into your life, but also that you could see their life. You could see them modeling the Christian life for you. So that would be a, a little shorter, but as you kind of, finish up that three to six month process of really getting grounded in the faith, you would enter into these discipleship classes. But then as you finish the discipleship classes, you'd re-engage in a relational uh, group, and we're calling these discipleship groups, where, again, and and there's not really a time clock on on these. It could be 18 months. It could be a few years. But the the whole point of these is taking that, that massive amount of information you got over the last three years and applying it making it real to your life. So you're actually growing in, in the grace 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're actually resembling him, growing into the image uh, of Jesus. And then, of course, the next step is to take the disciple-making training. Because as I said before, every one of you, if you're a, a healthy follower of Jesus, you have the DNA to one day grow up and reproduce. And so our hope is that as you kind of go through this process, you get to a place in your discipleship group where you and your disciple maker are like, I'm ready. You know, this person's ready. Get you into the training where you'll learn skills and resources to come alongside others as a disciple maker in either a follow-up group or discipleship group. Uh, and this network kind of continues to grow. Now, there's one group of people that I, I skipped over, uh, and I, I just want to kind of add this in. But say you go to Alpha, and you come out the other side, and you're like, I'm just not there. You know, like, I, I'm interested in all this stuff. I find it intriguing, but I'm not uh, quite to that place where I can put my faith in Jesus. Uh, if, if you're in that place, we have these other groups that we want to try to get you into where you can explore Christianity uh, in a relational setting where you can ask your questions and you can have somebody to bounce ideas off of and somebody who would be able to speak truth in your life. Uh, but we, we also want to give, if, you're, if you are, don't consider yourself in Christ yet, we want to give you the opportunity to also grow to know him and grow in Christ. And so uh, as we see it, there is, there is a spot for every single follower of Jesus who wants to grow in Christ. There is a place where you can engage in this, uh, in this journey, and we want to encourage you guys to engage, to, to participate in whatever you can, to commit to doing this. Uh, as this happens. We're still working on a lot of the details. Uh, so please be a little patient with us. If you're currently, I also want to say this, if you're like currently in a discipleship group, we are not coming in uh, and we're not going to just start dismantling discipleship groups left and right. Like, so don't, don't worry that we're like changing everything. Uh, but please be flexible as we, we figure out some of these details. I would probably have more of these details nailed down if I wasn't going to weddings all the time. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but we're, we're really excited. And I'll tell you what, this, this really reflects my own journey. Uh, when, probably like 10, 12 years ago, I, uh, I read this book called The Cost of Discipleship by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. And as I was reading it, I, I think for the first time, I started to, to understand the God of the gospel. Uh, I started, you know, like I, I grew up a Christian. I knew Jesus died for me. But I had a really bad impression like impression of who God was. I still kind of saw him as this distant kind of unloving dictator, more or less, who I just owed my, my duty to. But as I read this, I, I began to understand the, the God of grace, and I, I fell in love with him. And as I did, I just, I just dove in. Uh, like head first. I started reading like every book I'd get my hands on. I started putting in all this effort. Every like Tuesday morning for two years, I'd wake up and drive to Jersey to spend an hour at like seven in the morning with a disciple maker just because I was so hungry to grow. And, and as I put in this effort and the, the Holy Spirit started to like do this work in me, started to see that the bar I was setting was so low that he had actually transformed me and and I started being able to use the, what I was learning and how I was growing to be productive and effective in other people's lives. And, and, and guys, over the, the last 12 years, I could not imagine if I opted out of this. If I just said, you know what, God, I'm, I'm happy with where things are now. Even just uh, 
on, on Friday, we had a little get-together for the kids that went on the mission trip, and we were reconnecting. And I was sitting with some of the parents, and we were talking about just some of the, the young adults in, in Beacon who, over the last few years, have just grown and, like, matured and stepped into ministry. Like, we have Sarah... Uh, yeah, Sarah over there has taken on the, the youth ministry uh, as of uh, a couple weeks ago. We had Andrew leading worship this morning. We have uh, Alex, Sarah's husband, who's also been engaging, and uh, Andrea and Ryan. I, I've gotten to work with these people, and I've gotten to see them grow, and I've gotten to see the, the fruitfulness and effectiveness of their ministry. So if, if you get this, I get to, to like in some way spiritually parent these guys. And now I'm getting to see the people they're spiritually parenting. I have, like, spiritual grandchildren. <laughs> and and th- you have no idea the joy that it brings me to see them in ministry and to know, like, I didn't do it. Like, and, and there's a lot of other people involved. I'm not, like, taking credit. But I get to at least be a footnote on their stories. And, and if I made a, a different decision, you know, 10 years ago to say, you know what, I'm, I'm satisfied with the, the way the relationship is now. I would be missing out on all of this. And this is the joy of my life. It really is. And, and this is what we want for each and every one of you. And so I, I, I exhort you in the same way Peter did. Make every effort to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because he's worth it. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And we're actually going to take some time to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this, this God of the gospel who desperately wants to have a relationship with you and for that relationship to grow, the God who would, who would sacrifice his son so that you could know him intimately, not just, not just be a friend. Yes, you could be a friend, but you could go so much deeper, so much deeper, taking this relationship to the next level, experiencing just the, the joy and the fullness of life that comes from this God. I'm, let me just pray for you as the, the band sets up. Father, you, you are amazing. And it is such a privilege that we can know you. We pray that you'll continue to stir our hearts, that we would be pursuing you deeper and deeper, growing in Christ so that we can be effective and productive for you and your kingdom, that you'd be honored and glorified in this, and that we just, that we would know you more. We love you, and we trust you with all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.